Anyway, um, during sound check this week, I was here with the worship team, and I had noticed this sound guy. And so it, it was really interesting to me because I'm not very good as I wouldn't be a good sound guy. But I was noticing, and God was really speaking to me about what the sound guy does. And the sound guy really tunes his ear into what's happening on the worship platform. And he spends time with each individual instrument. He spends time with each individual voice. And he's tuning his ear and tuning the sound so that everything can work together and, and, and we can enjoy a worship experience. Now, I've been in places and times when the sound wasn't tuned in well. And then you get this really weird sound. It's super distracting. Like, I, I'm trying really hard in those moments to praise God, but I'm like, wow, that, that, that's really bad. Like, that, you know. And so the sound guy plays an important role. And that sound guy has to spend time listening to each individual sound. And so in, in spending some time in worship, working with the youth team, I've noticed that in spending time, my ear is tuned in. I can a little bit better pick up the different sounds. Like I can pick out the guitar a little bit better than the piano or the drum. Well, the drums, you, can, you, sh- you should always be able to pick out the drums. The drums are awesome. Hunter, you did a fantastic job. Um, I love drums, just loud and big all the time. Maybe not everyone's like that, but, but each voice like when they're singing harmony, like I've learned to be able to pick that out a little better. But it happens because I've been spending time with the worship team. And God was really speaking to me that, that that's what we have to do with God. We have to spend time listening to his voice. And successful spiritual leadership is leadership that follows divine guidance. And so if we want to lead spiritually, our homes, our families, our businesses, our community, to do that well, we have to follow God's guidance. Are you guys with me? But to follow God's guidance, we have to what? Hear his voice. And to hear his voice, we have to spend time with him so that we can tune our ear in to what he's saying. God desires spiritual leaders in every area. Do you know that? God wants to raise up spiritual leaders, not just in the church. Like sometimes we get that picture that God wants to raise up a few pastors and maybe a few leaders around them, and God wants to do everything through that. No, he doesn't. God wants to raise up spiritual leaders first and foremost in homes. Do you know that the family is the institution that God created first? It's the family that God wants to make, you know, the impact in the world through. And so that means there needs to be leaders, spiritual leaders in each Christian family. There needs to be spiritual leaders in politics. Oh boy, there needs to be spiritual leaders in politics, right? There needs to be spiritual leaders in media desperately, entertainment desperately. There needs to be spiritual leaders in schools, in schools. And there needs to be spiritual leaders in us as individuals. Like, even if you're single and you have no family, that you are, le- you are leading yourself. And God wants you to lead yourself spiritually. Are you leading, ask yourself this this morning, spiritually tuned in or worldly tuned in? Are you listening more to God's voice and spending time there? Or are you listening more to the news or to hearsay or to social media or to whatever's going on, because your ear is being tuned. 
When I sat in worship practice and I realized, wow, I can actually pick out all of those things a little more clearly, it wasn't because I was really intending to. It was because I was sitting in that environment more frequently than what I was before. And because I was spending time in the environment, my ear was being tuned in to what was going on. What environment are you spending time in? So today the title of my message is Spiritual Leaders Walk Different. They walk a little different. I'm going to take you to a story in Numbers I've really been spending a lot of time with the Israelites and in the Exodus, in the book of the law. It's really amazing. God's been speaking so much to me through that. And so numbers, it kind of starts out, the people have already been delivered from Egypt, and they're here at Sinai. Okay, they've experienced the parting of the Red Sea. They experienced the plagues that God brought. Like, he has done so many things. He's provided for them in the wilderness a bit, and they're here at Sinai and still having trouble trusting God. Have you ever said, like, if I saw the Red Sea part, I would trust God completely? Or if I saw manna come down from heaven, no question. But here was two million-ish people that saw the Red Sea part, saw manna come down from heaven. They were following a pillar of fire in a cloud by night. They were seeing the glory of God cover mountains, and they were like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know if he's going to like if he's trustworthy or not. And this is where the children of Israel were. And what had happened right before the story I'm going to take you to is that the spies had went into Canaan. They came up to the edge of the promised land. And Moses said, let's go send some spies in, scope out the place, see how we're going to attack this place. The spies go in. Do you guys remember the story? Joshua and Caleb and the other 10 that we don't even know who they are because they had a negative report. But anyway, all of the people believed the 10 who had the negative report instead of the two who had the positive report. And so God said, all right, you don't trust me. You're not ready. Back into the wilderness. And so Moses led them back into the wilderness. And after that, he starts giving Moses all of these rules and laws and things so that they could live a life that was holy and set apart. And so we come to Numbers 16. And we're going to read verses 1 through 7. It says, Now Korah, the son of Izhar, you're going to have to forgive me on some of these names, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi. And so this is the lineage of the Levites, the ones that ministered to the tabernacle. And so that Korah is in that line. And then there's also Dathan and Abraham, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben. And they took men, so these three guys, they took men, and they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown, and they gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? And I want you to focus on these next two scriptures. It says, so when Moses heard it, he fell on his face and he spoke to Korath and all his company saying, tomorrow morning, the Lord will show who is his and who is holy and will cause him to come near. That one whom he chooses will cause to come near him. Do this, take censers, Korath and all your company, put fire in them, put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow 
and it shall be that the man whom the Lord chooses is the Holy One. You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. Before we move on, let's pray. Dear Father God, I thank you for your word. Lord God, your word goes forth and it never returns void, Lord God. So I pray that your word would go forth powerfully this morning. God, that you would speak to each and every person here, Lord. I pray that you would make this personal to each person, Father. You know where they are. You know what they need, Lord God. You are a God that is close and intimate with each person. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak and your people would listen. In Jesus' name, amen. And so in this story, these men are upset that they didn't enter the promised land. And they're beginning to think that they can probably do it a little better than Moses and Aaron. And so I I put myself in this place. I can't imagine being Moses at this moment. Okay, just picture yourself as Moses. You, You spent 40 years in the wilderness being prepared to deliver this people. God's preparing your heart for them. Then you go in and there's 10 plagues that God does through you. You take two million, one and a half, two million people, and you lead, like, that's a lot of people, okay? I, I, I lead six around on a regular basis, and I can't hardly keep track of six. I mean, if you heard my last message, you hear I have lost them a couple of times. And so he's leading all of these people, their children, their older people, they're like all these people from all these different places in their mind, and he's leading them across a river, okay, saying, nope, God's going to come through. Now, you know, out of all those people, that there were a lot of them that saying, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, we are not crossing that river. And so he convinces them. He gets them across the river. God does this amazing thing. They, get, they see that. And then they get to this place, and they're like, oh, now God's going to starve us out here. And he's like, people, come on. Like, look at all that God did. And he's constantly encouraging these people. Like, don't you trust God? And he, they're going wayward. And he's bringing them back. Like, could you imagine? I'd have quit. You guys would have quit too. Uh, no, I'm saying. But, and then he takes them on this 11-day journey that actually winds up taking them 40 years. 40 years. Like, I am glad that God chose Moses and not me. Sometimes we're like, oh, it would be really. No, it wouldn't. I don't think it would have been super cool most of the time to be Moses. But there, there is a big difference that we're seeing here between Moses, who was a spiritual leader, and then here all of these other men that were worldly leaders. Because the worldly leaders, what they were doing is they were looking around and they were saying, God promised this land that we're going into and we're not there. Like we're out here in the wilderness. We're always in fear of starving, you know, whatever. He's not really doing a good job. But Moses... He always went to God first. He always sought God first. And spiritual leaders, they're really followers. They're really followers. They're following the one who sees into the unknown. Whereas worldly leaders, what they do is they kind of gather information of everything that's known. They evaluate it and they make decisions based on what they know and see. The problem with that is this, is there is so much that we don't know. I'm sure if you would ask all the leaders that were in 2019, if they could see 2020 coming, not one would have said that if they were a worldly leader. There's always things that we don't know. But do you know what? That there were people that God was preparing and positioning and setting up. There were people that were so prepared for 2020 
because they were following God's guidance. That's the difference between a spiritual leader and a worldly leader. So point number one is a spiritual leader knows what God is saying. They know what God is saying. Moses was on the mountain often, 40 days at times, without food and water, like, wow, 40 days on mountains. He was in the tent of meeting. Moses was spending time with God regularly. He was tuned in to what God was saying. He was listening and tuning his ear so that in that moment of distraction, in that moment when all those people came at him, he could hear what God was saying. And if we see and go back to verse 4, Moses' first response, if we could put that up there, there we go, was that he fell on his face. He fell on his face. Now, we don't know how long Moses was there. The Bible didn't tell us. But the Bible does tell us in chapter 12, so four chapters before this, that Moses was the most humble man on all the earth. And so I would guess that Moses' first response is, God, is there any truth to this? God, is what they're saying true? God, have I missed you? Like, can you imagine? Here's all these accusers, and the first thing is he falls on his face. That alone is a sign of humility. God, I want to do what's right. His first response wasn't defense. It was, God, I got to come to you. And I don't know how long he was there, but if we continue to read, we see that it was long enough to get a plan. It was long enough to get a really detailed plan Moses wanted to know if there was anything he needed to change, if there was anything God wanted to do different. He wanted to know what God wanted to say and how God wanted to respond. There's a quote that our family really loves, and it's the person with the most influence in the room is the one who is closest to God. I'm going to read that again. The person with the most influence in the room is the one who is closest to God. Because that person is hearing God's voice in that moment. Whether everything else is loud, whether everything else is confusing, whatever it is, that person is going to be the most clear on the voice of God. And when the voice of God is spoken, when God's direction is spoken, it kind of settles a lot of things. And we see that because even though these men were coming at him, when Moses gave direction... Like, this is what you're going to do. We're going to take censers. We're going to put some fire in it. You're going to show up tomorrow. You're going to put it in the fire, and God's going to choose. Even though these men that were questioning Moses' authority, they said, okay, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do exactly what he said. You're not fit to leave, but we're going to follow you still. Did you notice that? Like, Moses was still leading, and they didn't even realize that he was still leading because he was the one that was hearing the voice of God, the more that we are in his presence, the more that we are reading his word, our ears can more quickly pick up his voice. Have you guys experienced that in your own life? I know that there was a time when I, like, I knew that I heard God for the first time. 
I had heard God before. I had heard him speak. He had led me in different ways, but it was more kind of timid. It was more like, I think that's God, or, or I knew it was because it was in his word. But there was this moment where I'm like, that was so undeniably God that no one could tell me different, and it changed everything about my life. He was speaking things to me that reached down into the depths of my soul that changed me forever because I was tuning my ear into his voice. But do you know that that was right after a time when I had finally committed to read his word and I spent every day for two years for the first time in my life reading his word. I don't believe that that day would have happened had I not spent the two-year investment tuning my ear into his voice. And since then, my ear has become more tuned, not that I don't miss him, but more tuned into his voice. Because in that moment, I was alone. But I have been able to grow to where in the midst of chaos, in the midst of confusion, I can still pick up God's voice because I tune my ear in on a regular basis. And I have come to depend on that voice. We've been so encouraged lately by the confirmation that we've been receiving about what God is saying to his bride. It was really sweet, Dan, what you said, that there are pastors that hear his voice. We're certainly not the only ones, but I'm not going to say that I don't hear his voice because it's very true, because they're the same messages that we're speaking. It amazes me. Matt will come up here and he'll speak a message, and we'll go and we'll pick up another pastor and we'll be like, whoa, that was like the same thing is if we were talking or hearing the same, you know, person that was leading us to the same message or something. I think you guys missed that. It was as if we were listening to the same person that was helping us prepare the messages or something. Why is that so important? Because God wants to say something to you. That's, that's not as much for us. It's for you. God says, I want you to know that it's me leading you. I want you to know that it's me speaking. And you can listen to a pastor in Waterloo, or you can listen to a pastor in Gateway, Texas, or you can go over to Missouri and listen. Like, I am speaking all over because I want you to hear my voice. But what it does is it takes people who have set aside time to spend with the Lord. There are times when you guys have come to us and been like, God spoke the same thing to me in my prayer time this week. That's what we want to hear. We want to hear that from you. We want to hear that you're like, man, God spoke that to me too. And you confirmed it when you said it. And so now I know where to march. Now I know where to go. Because your voice or your ear is being tuned in to his voice. And the message that seems to be the most loud that God seems to be the most consistent with, that seems to permeate so many different spaces, is draw near to him. You need it. Read his word because you're going to be desperate for it. I believe that we're embarking on a season, that we're entering into a season where things are going to be more distorted. Things are going to be more confusing that when you look at the natural, it's going to be like, man, I don't know. Like that seems more right than it ever has before. And we are not going to be able to lean on our natural senses as much as we once did. That if our ear is not tuned in to the voice of God, we're going to be led astray. Because everything else is going to be very confusing. Point number two is spiritual leaders are willing to obey what God says even with opposition. Even with opposition, sometimes 
opposition is one or two people. Sometimes they're people that are close to you. Sometimes, like in this case with Moses, opposition is great. It was 250 leaders. It said men of renown. So these were well-respected men. Like what would you do if 250 leaders came at you and said, you're not doing it right, you're not following God? Like that would be intimidating. Moses loved these people. I think sometimes we read over these stories and we think like, well, that was Moses. It was really no big deal. No, he lived with these people. Like their tents could have been next to each other. They woke up in the morning and gathered manna together. Like these were 250 people that were coming at him and he was going to see them all the time. Like you're in the wilderness. There's nowhere to go. You have to face them. That's intimidating. That's intimidating. These men were respected, they carried weight, they carried influence because they caught the crowd going, the congregation going. Sometimes opposition can be fierce. Have you guys experienced that? Where you took a stand for God, you started to do something, and all of a sudden you feel like, wow, everything just came at me. People just came at me. Like, like all of a sudden I start to like question, like, whoa, what am I doing? Is this really the move I'm supposed to make? Like, that's what opposition can do. It can get you to start to question, am I doing things right? And if we don't have our ear tuned into the voice of God, we can, we can start to walk off course. We saw that Moses, he loved this entire group of people. He served them. He provided for them. And I'm sure this attack felt personal. Man, it's hard when people that you love attack you in a personal way, right? I mean, that, I think, is probably the hardest thing. Man, I love them. I care for them. They're family. I've walked life with them. I've served them. I've, I've been there for them. And now they're coming at me like that? Now they're attacking me? Why are they questioning me now? This is, I'm sure, some of what Moses was feeling. But it requires a closeness with God to not be swayed in a moment like this. It would have been easy for, moment, for Moses to react out of offense, react out of anger. Have you done that? Anyone willing to admit, like in a moment like that, you're like, wow, and you lash out at someone? Probably looked and sounded a lot like that. I'm just telling you, like that's what it looks like when you react in anger. And we do see Moses was angry. If we read down in the story, it specifically says Moses was angry. But what we don't see is Moses reacted out of anger. Like we can experience those emotions and not react out of them, right? And that's what Moses did because his ear was tuned in to God. The close relationship allowed God to help Moses see that even though the attack felt personal, and I want you to get this, even though the attack feels personal, it really is an attack against God. Like when people are coming at you when you stand for God, they're attacking you because they can't attack God. But really who they're mad at is God. They don't like the conviction. They don't like the pushback. They don't want to face that they're not doing things the way that they're supposed to. And so they attack you, but really it's an attack against the Lord. In Philippians 1.20, it says, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or death. 
What Paul is saying is that no matter what, I'm going to lay my life down to follow Christ. I'm going to lay my life down for him to be glorified. And Paul experienced a lot of attack and a lot of opposition. A lot of people that were in the, the Pharisee sect with him that he had ran through life with, that he had been doing, that they have been side by side, and then here now they're wanting to kill him. And here's Moses in the same place. These are people that he loved, people that he cared for, people that he was delivering and that he was praying for and interceding for. And here he has a moment to where he can lay his life down or he can try to save his own life. Does that make sense? He could do it the way God wants him to, that is going to produce something good, that is going to produce something beautiful, or he can respond out of anger or he can respond out of you know, fear and retreat. There's a quote that I really like, and it is by Oswald Chambers. It says, shut out every other consideration and keep yourself before God for this one thing only, my utmost for his highest. My utmost, my everything for his glory. Matt and I had bought a house together. How many kids do I have in the room? Before we were married. Um, I have some younger ones, guys. Come on, not everybody knows everything. Um, but we had bought a house together before we were married. And then when we got engaged, he had recently gotten saved. I was saved and should have known better, did know better. But God really spoke to us, and he's like, uh-uh, this is not what we're going to do. You need to move out. And so you can imagine, we go and we tell his parents that we're going to move out. He's going to be moving back home. And uh, they were like, oh, dear. Yep, what you're thinking is exactly what they asked us. Um, not true, wasn't true. And so we were trying to explain to his family, to our friends, like, no, we just really want to do things God's way. And they're like, but does it matter at this point? It always matters. It always matters. Um, there were friends that were kind of in a similar situation, a couple, two couples, and they were very angry, very angry. Somehow by that decision, they felt like we were judging them. They felt like we were coming at them. They started trying to defend what they were doing in their position, and they wind up not being friends with us anymore over a decision we made to follow God. And these were people that we loved. The one kid Matt had grown up with since a little kid. And, and, and they were like, yeah, we're, we're parting ways. You know, this is, this is ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. And there was a lot of opposition for a 22-year-old in that moment, especially for him when he was really just trying to get on track with God. He's taking, and this is a big step for him, especially. But what we found is in that moment when we were willing to stand, when we are willing to not be swayed by opposition, it built a foundation in us. Because that was not the first time that we have taken opposition for standing for God. And in fact, now, with everything that we've walked through, that was like no big deal. So you're mad at us? Who cares? Like, they're all friends with us now, and now they're coming to us for advice. I mean, it took about seven years, but, you know, now they're coming back, and they're like, oh, your life is actually pretty great. Ours, not so much. You know, like, God always redeems and restores. But what he did in us, because we were willing to stand built a foundation that we now stand on, that he's now strengthened, and we are more prepared to stand against the things that we face in our world today and to not be swayed. Because honestly, guys, it doesn't matter what we lose. Like, we have come to that place with our life. We will lose whatever friend. We will lose whatever relationship. We will lose whatever house, whatever ministry. Like, it doesn't matter. We will stand for God. We will stand for God. We're going to lovingly humbly stand for God. 
and for what he tells us to do. And that's what the body of Christ should be doing. But opposition and pressure, it does have the potential to derail us. Will you give your everything for his glory? That's what the Christian ask is. That's what, the, that's what that salvation prayer really is. Do you guys know that? When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that word Lord is surrender. That word Lord is a complete surrender of everything, of my will, of my way, of my comfort, of whatever. Some people think that the Christian life is a life of ease. It is absolutely not a life of ease, but it is a life of victory. It is a life of overcoming. It is a life that in the end, we have hope of glory. And in the end, we win. We win. God wins. Like whatever battle you're facing, in the end, if you're a child of God, you win. Like that's an amazing place to fight from. Like if whatever you're fighting, if you knew, you knew, you knew, you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that you were going to win, would you fight differently? Then you should know that the battle is always the Lord's and he always wins and we get to participate in that with him. So I ask you, have you made that choice to, to give your everything for his glory? If so, Obedience is already decided. I'm not sure what that is. Sound guy, look at that. Good job. If so, obedience is already decided. If obedience is still a question. Sorry, I'm just... Just go on. If obedience is still a question for you, then the question is probably, have you really surrendered and what do you still need to? Point number three is that spiritual leaders are willing to trust him when things don't look the way we thought. Here Moses also thought when they walked up to the edge of that promised land that they were going in. Can you imagine? Like here, all of this preparation, all of these miracles, all of the parting of the Red Sea, and they got the people here, and we're going to go in, and God's like, actually, turn around. Can you imagine? But Moses still trusted God, even though things didn't look the way he thought that they would. In Numbers 16, 13, it says, this is the response that the people had to Moses. It said, is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness that you should keep acting like a prince over us? And this, this stood out to me so much. I don't know, like, do you guys know that when God said, I'm going to take you into the promised land, he said, I'm going to take you into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. That, that was a spiritual prosperity. That was a physical prosperity. That was a freedom promise. That was like, man, a land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, it, it painted this picture that was so the opposite of where they were in Egypt, a land of oppression, a land of slavery, a land of lack. And God said, I'm going to take you into this land. And here in this moment, when things didn't look like what those worldly leaders thought, 
They said, you took us up out of a land that was flowing with milk and honey. All of a sudden, they're calling Egypt the same thing that God said the promised land was. Did you get that? Have you ever done that? Have you ever going after God and you, you're doing what you think he says and all of a sudden you're like, oh, that doesn't look like what I thought. Well, it wasn't so bad where we were. No, I mean, that, that was actually, like that old job, not so bad. Actually, they were really good to me, um, even though like they never promoted me, never saw, what, like whatever the complaint was. We have a tendency to do that. We have a tendency to get a picture of what we think things are going to look like and we say that must be God's picture even though God never said that. God never said, I'm going to take you to the promised land the first time I bring you to the line. He said, I'm never going to bring you to the promise, or I'm not going to bring you. He didn't give him a time. He said, I will. But when it didn't look like what they thought, they started to retreat in their faith, to retreat in their mind. If we're not solid in hearing God's voice and strong in trusting him, then we begin to say, well, things weren't so bad the way they were. What battles are you in right now? Do you have a picture of what that's going to look like for victory? What if it doesn't look like that? What if it takes a little longer than what you expect? What if it requires more prayer for that family member to come to Jesus? What if, what if it takes longer for God to open up the opportunity for that job or to bring that relationship or whatever it is? What if it doesn't look like what you thought are you going to give up on what God said? Are you going to start to accept the past? Start to accept something less? There are times when a sound guy runs into a challenge and the things that he normally does isn't working. I am, I am guessing at that because, again, I am not a sound guy. But I am sure it has to be that way, right, Matt? Um, but maybe, maybe someone came in and they messed with the board and you didn't know. That happens. Don't do that. Don't, don't touch the board. It's a big no-no. Uh, maybe something was added. Like there are a lot of things up here that are added, new mic, new whatever. It's amazing what can mess up the sound. And, I, and, like, and in the little bit that I know, it's like, wow, that messed it up. Maybe there's electrical wires that are messing up the sound quality. True story. That happened at our last building. It's like, how did the electrical wires mess up the sound? But a sound guy has to press through the challenge. And even once they've done everything that they know to do, they have a choice in that moment that I'm going to keep learning, I'm going to keep tuning my ear, I'm going to keep studying, I'm going to keep pressing in, or everybody just settles for lesser quality. See, that's what happens when a spiritual leader doesn't continue to move forward. It's not just them who settles for something less. It's everyone around them, everyone that they were leading. When a family... The leaders of the family, when dads especially, decide it's, it's too hard to press through. Uh, to keep going after God, it's just too hard in this world. The entire family suffers for that. And we see that happen over and over. When a business decides to compromise, because it's just too hard to stay true to what God says. If we just skim it just a little bit, if we just slant it just a little bit, the entire business begins to suffer. Because when spiritual leaders don't lead, all who are following them suffer for it. Imagine in this moment what it must have looked like if Moses listened to those men. 
If Moses listened to what they said, yeah, Egypt wasn't so bad. You go ahead and you lead. Like how much different would things have looked if the Israelites packed up and went back into Egypt? Like their entire army and their Pharaoh was all wiped out, so they were mad. What if the Israelites were like, yeah, we'll just go back into slavery. Just go back into bondage. We'll just, God would have probably picked a different people. Everything would have probably changed, but there was two men, Moses and Aaron, that said, no, we're going to stand. We're going to stand and we're going to lead. And even though there's opposition, and even though things don't look the way it's supposed to, that we thought it would, we're going to keep following God. And he raised up a generation that walked into the promised land and that wound up conquering all of the area there and wound up being the, the, or the uh, forefathers that brought Jesus into the world. Like all the things that have happened in the Bible since were because two men in this moment said no to all of those leaders, we are going to follow God. Because those who are closest to God have the most influence in the room. And when Moses decided to stand, the people were like, okay. And then because Moses decided to stand, God showed up like God always does. And so if you continue to read the story, we see that all of those men that brought the censers with the fire into the thing, like they all died. You know, guys, listen, whatever opposition is coming at you, there's a choice that you listen or God's going to battle for you. Do you guys know that? That if you stand, because I know there's, there's some of you that are standing. There's big things that you're standing against. If you will stand and you will do it in the right way, then God will fight the battle for you. That the enemies will eventually be taken out. There was someone who had asked us, is it wrong to pray that the enemies would be taken out? And this is my personal opinion. But I see that they did it all throughout the Bible. I don't want anybody to die, and I'm not saying that. But I do believe that if people are not going to change, if people are not going to go after God, that to pray that they get removed, to pray that they get taken out, to, the, to pray that God deals with them and raises up other people, I think is a good prayer. And I think it's a prayer in alignment with God. When we get to know him, the one who made a way when there is no way, the one that endured the cross to pay the otherwise unpayable price. Like he was the only one that could have paid the price for your salvation. He was the only one that could have done it. And he said yes to that request. He endured the cross for your salvation, for your freedom, and for mine. The one whom we get a glimpse of his love. And when we do, we're blown away. Like that day when he spoke to me, blown away. Depths of my soul changed forever. When we see him for who he is, like we sang today, behold him now. When we behold him, trusting him is so easy. Trusting him is so easy. But it starts with spending the time to behold him. Have you beheld him lately? 
Have you got a new revelation of who he is lately? Have you seen something different? The Bible talks about at the end, you know, when the revelation that John got, that the angels, they sing holy, holy, holy. They get a glimpse of who God is, and then they fall on their face, and they sing holy, holy, holy. And then they get back up, and they look at him, and they get another glimpse of who he is. And then they're holy, holy, holy for eternity. Do you know what that means? That there are glimpses that we can have access to that will blow our mind if we will just get up and look. When you see God like that, trusting him is not a problem. Numbers 16, 20 through 23 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourself from among the congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. Then they fell on their faces. There it is again. They fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and you be angry with all the congregation? So the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the congregation saying, get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abram. What's happening right here is God said, I'm going to wipe them all out. That's it. The entire congregation, they were, they were uprising against my order, my org chart, the leader that I chose, the way that I set, and I'm going to wipe them out. And this is what Moses and Aaron did. And this is how our hearts should be. They said, God, don't do that. I'm going to intercede for them on their behalf. See, we have a tendency to when people rise up against us to we get mad and we attack back. But we don't see that a spiritual leader does it. They're like, God, they don't know. God, don't do that. And so God said, okay, then just tell all of the people to go to safety. And he's repositioning their hearts back to following Moses. He took out the leaders that were leading them astray, and Israel was restored back to where it should be, following God under a leader that hears his voice. Moses went to bat for the people here, and they were all following these men who were out of God's will, and he interceded for them anyway. Will we accept the call to lead spiritually tuned in to the voice of God with boldness? Even if it means opposition. Even if it means there's going to be times when you don't know. Even if it means you have to sacrifice other things to tune your ear into his voice. Will you say yes? If you do, then you are going to be hope to so many people who need it. You are going to show them the answer to, their soul, to the bondage of their soul, to the sin in their life, to the, to the hell that they're going to experience if they do not get a hold and behold who Jesus is. Will you say yes, even if that's what it means? There are people who need you. There are people in your family who need you to go to bat for them. There are people in your community who need you to go to bat for them. There are people who have written prayer requests on the wall that are seeking salvation for family members, that are seeking salvation for people in the community. There are people who need you to lead spiritually. No matter how old you are, no matter what your story is, no matter what your past is, will you say yes?